We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ebner Meriz is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Ebner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, sports, music, culture, and family life. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. Check it out. That's another great podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! What's going on, everyone? This is Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We are brought to you by the Blue Wire Network, by Indeed, and by Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, uh, the Lakers are NBA champions, and the NBA bubble is finally over. It is. Uh, the Lakers won in six, completely dominated game six. The Heat clearly left it all out on the floor uh, in game five. Props to the Heat for fighting. We will talk a bit about the Lakers in the finals and all that legacy, all that fu- fun stuff a bit later in this pod. But first, there was also actually some Bulls news today on after this final day of the NBA season, which was a very long and unique NBA season. Billy Donovan apparently doing some house cleaning on the coaching staff. Uh, they let he let people know today the Bulls announced it officially. We have four people, four assistants are out of here. Uh, that would be Dean Cooper, Nate, is it Lonser, Lancer? I'm not totally sure how to say his name. Roy Rogers, and then Karen Stack Umloff. That's four key uh, assistants from the last staff. It looks like that Chris Fleming is staying around. Uh, our uh, AK, I believe, has a relationship with Chris Fleming. He Chris Fleming ran the bubble, so it sounds like for now at least. Chris Fleming will be on Billy Donovan's staff. Um, I can't say I have like any big, like grand thoughts about this, but I think it's good that Billy's going to pick most of his own guys, even if Fleming is still there. Uh, Fleming's there just for his relationship with AK. I mean, that's totally fine with me. I feel like we lauded the Fleming hire when they when they made it last year. I know it didn't really 
work out, but that's probably a lot because of Jim Boylan. So house cleaning on the Bulls coaching staff, which ironically enough, also if we look at Jerry Reinsdorf's other team today, also a house cleaning in the Chicago White Sox organization. Rick Renteria, Rick Renteria poor Ricky Renteria. He uh, got five, basically the same thing happened with the Cubs when he was there. He was their like A to B coach during the rebuilding years, and now that the White Sox look ready to contend, he's fired. And they also fired Don Don Cooper, longtime pitching coach, which is an absolute shock. Uh, I know there was some talk about some of the possible replacements with the White Sox. I saw like I know Ozzy's out. Apparently Jerry said he's out. I know like I saw Tony Larusa's name, which is crazy. AJ Hinge, whatever. We're not going to talk too much about the White Sox here, but just kind of funny that. On this Monday, day after the uh, NBA season ends, we get this house cleaning basically throughout both of Jerry's organizations. Yeah, it's wild. I'm shocked by both. I thought, you know, from the White Sox perspective, they had to make uh, the Renteria move. I never imagined they would fire Don Cooper, who had been their pitching coach since, I think, 2002. So he had been around basically as long as Paxson had been around. It's it's something the Paxson, John Paxson and Jim Paxson, to, to that extent, are like two of the guys still left over after all these firings but uh i gotta say like credit to jerry reinsdorf these are words i never thought i would say but like (laughs) he is spending money when he needs to i was really worried the white Sox were gonna sort of rest on their laurels they went to the playoffs last year you know you could say they were ahead of schedule and just retain ricky renteria again also cooper instead they're both out and then you look at the bulls like uh, they had all these people still under contract. They picked up Roy Rogers or I'm sorry. They picked up Lozner, Lozner's extension in May or yeah. his, like uh, option right. season. And Roy Rogers still had two years left on his contract. And he was regarded as like a pretty well-paid assistant, I believe when he came over from Houston last year. So Ryan Storff is eating a lot of money just in all these people he's letting go. And then in whoever they're going to want to sign as assistant coaches, like I'm sure this was part of getting Donovan to agree to come to the organization that he would be able to have power remaking his staff, uh, changing around personnel. So this is all great. Now uh, we should, we should talk about a few of these assistant coaches. They lost Nate Lozner. Everything I heard about him, he was supposed to be great. Uh, he was the Bulls G League coach with the Windy City Bulls, and I believe he was born with a partial left arm, too. So he was kind of an inspiring story. And, uh, you know, and everyone I've talked to has always around the team, around the organization, has always said that uh, he was a really sharp basketball mind, really great student of the game. So uh, definitely hoping the best for him. And then Karen Stack Umloff was the Bulls' first ever female assistant coach. And she had been with the organization since Michael Jordan's rookie year in 1984. She was a former player at Northwestern. She was a standout there. I saw her during All-Star Weekend. She was coaching uh, the Basketball Without Borders teams that had you know a couple future NBA guys on them. So... Uh, hopefully, you know, all the assistants who were let go, they're able to find work. Uh, you know, a lot of them have been around the Bulls organization for a long time. And, you know, while we're happy that the Bulls are cleaning house and that they're going to be able to bring new people in, it also comes with the loss of jobs. And especially, uh, in this moment in history, that's never a good thing. It's always really sad, but, uh, hopefully, you know, these people have been taken care of by Reinsdorf, uh, on their way out the door and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very awesome thing for Bulls fans and White Sox fans that Jerry Reinsdorf, during a time when he easily could have hid behind the financial losses that stemmed from the pandemic, actually decided to pay up. And uh, I think the Bulls and the White Sox will be better for it. Are you surprised that Fleming is sticking around? Uh, no, because I knew he 
you know, worked with Karnashovas in Denver. So I'm not shocked by that one. Uh, I have to imagine he also is one of the league's more highly paid assistants. I believe, uh, you know, it was reported that he was a, a pretty big money assistant when the Bulls got him from the yeah, He was interviewing so. as well for, I think, head coaching jobs too. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I'm shocked by that, but... Uh, in general, I, I think that, you know, it's really impressive that Reinsdorf was able to actually give Billy Donovan some autonomy and, you know, same thing happened with the White Sox. Yeah, definitely good. Uh, in terms of the Bulls, we'll talk a bit about more a little later in this pod about kind of what's, what comes next for them. They did just wrap up their three-week minicamp. As I mentioned, Chris Fleming apparently ran the Bulls, like mini bubble that they had. Uh, I did a little... P- Thing, recap of it for bloggable for last week it looks like they uh had a fun old time they obviously they had like i said it was a, l- a little mini bubble they had to do plenty of the covid precautions they had i think they stayed at like a hotel they they had a special thing at the advocate center they set up like fun and games like arcade stuff and like ping pong and they had some a few group events uh there was some rumors that like lowry and kobe white were looking pretty good there but again, take all that stuff with a grain of salt it sounds like the basketball is pretty sloppy uh, you could, so good for them to get out on the court. They needed to get that time, them and those other, the so-called delete eight, the teams that have not been playing since March. I mean, just a huge layoff. It's good to get them back on the court. It seems like the guys were really happy to be back out there. Uh, I know Zach had some quotes. Lowry had some quotes as well. Lowry talked about his future. He claims he wants to stay around. I mean, we've talked about Lowry's future. We talked about it with Darnell on our last pod uh, about his possible extension. They asked him about that. He, I mean, he said basically what you're going to say, like, you know, like, I can't worry about that. I'm just going to worry about, worry about what I can worry about. I'll let my agent handle that kind of stuff. We've talked about how we don't think Lowry's going to get a new contract this offseason, but we will see. But yeah, they're the Bulls. I think they finished that, I think, last week. Uh, and then it's just kind of, we'll see from there. Uh, well, again, we will talk about that later. Do you have any any leftover thoughts from the Bulls and their mini bubble? Anything you heard about that or read about that? Not really. I feel like uh, we are on the brink of a truly new era. The Chicago Bulls basketball, it's weird to say. So I think, uh, you know, we're just going to see what comes this offseason. There's a lot still up in the air as the finals ended last night and as the Bulls transition into the offseason. We don't know what the salary cap's going to be like. We don't know when free agency is going to be. We don't know when the season's going to begin. So uh, there's a lot of balls up in the air right now. And I think that, you know, for from our perspective, we'll probably be focusing on the draft uh, after we touch on the end of the season later in this episode. But, uh we, we don't really know what the Bulls are going to look like, so it's hard to sort of, you know, make projections about the roster right now. Yep, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about the finals a bit. Uh, we'll start with a losing team. We'll start with our guy, Jimmy Butler, who played his ass off all series. He, game six, he just did not have it. I mean, we saw him after game that miraculous game five performance. He played 47 minutes, he, and he walked when he walked off that uh, from his presser, and he was like limping off. He looked like an old man walking off, and it was like, he really left it all on the floor in that game five. He still almost did pick, get a triple double in game six, but he only took like eight or nine shots, I think. And he had like 12, seven and seven or something like that. But I mean, just overall, an incredible performance from Jimmy Butler in these playoffs, in the final, especially in the finals. He took his game to a whole nother level, basically won the Heat two games almost by himself with uh, incredible triple double performances. He almost averaged a triple double in the finals. If you look at game score, uh, that basketball reference does. I think I saw that he was ahead like the ninth best NBA finals ever in terms of that game score stat played goes toe to toe with LeBron and AD. Uh, if the, if the, he would have forced a game seven, you could have argued he could have had an, uh, an argument for finals MVP, even if they would have lost. 
Uh, and just uh, just reading the coverage all across the league, we we know we we dealt with Jimmy for, for with Chicago. We saw all the drama that he had in, with some of these other teams. Uh, but his time in Miami and this throughout this bubble and throughout these playoff this playoff run, just he's clearly just like totally uh, just his stock has just gone way up. Uh, we've seen a lot of people just kind of turn uh, just change their tune on Jimmy and. That drama that did happen, I think a lot of people are looking at looking at it a different way. Just respecting him a lot more and his work ethic, and just him as a player. We, like I said, we just kind of saw that all across the national spectrum. It was a lot of fun to watch uh, Jimmy Jimmy do that. <laughs> After Game Three, I drunkenly bought the Jimmy Butler jersey, <laughs> the the blue Heat one, just because I got to had to rep my guy. Uh, it was just a lot of fun to watching him and this team. This Heat team just was a lot of fun, like really easy to root for. Between Jimmy, between a guy like Goran Dragic, even though he got hurt, Bam out of bio, just a super fun player. They're young guys, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson got a lot of swagger. Duncan Robinson had a big game in game five. So just shout out to the Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat for fighting this way, pulling off multiple upsets in throughout the playoffs, and then taking in this the six. After that game one, I thought it was going to be a sweep. The fact that the Heat won those two games behind Jimmy Butler's triple doubles, absolutely incredible. Ricky... You you were right. You you said that you thought the Heat were going to get this to six. I was totally wrong about that. Just talk about Jimmy, his awesome finals in this Heat team. Yeah, I thought Dan Devine of The Ringer put it best. He tweeted that Jimmy Butler entered the bubble as an all-star and he left it as a fucking legend. And I think that's <laughs> absolutely true. Like, he burnished his stock, like you said. He, he basically created a legacy for himself. Yep. During this finals run, and it really started like it started when they went against the Pacers and they just obliterated the Pacers like that wasn't even close. The Pacers actually got the four seed over the Heat. The Heat were the five seed uh, because Miami was sort of struggling in the seeding round. But as soon as the playoffs started, Jimmy was totally locked in. So they just destroy Indiana four straight. And then, I mean, that Buck series was just legendary. Butler having the 40-point game one uh, to begin that series. He was excellent throughout it. They totally dominate Milwaukee. Uh, and then, you know, I think a lot of people, including me, thought that Boston would win the Eastern Same. Conference Finals. Yeah. Uh, but no, and that, was, that wasn't, you know, about Jimmy carrying the team on his back through that round. I think he only averaged 19 points. Bam game. was incredible that series. Bam was incredible that series. Tyler Hero had some great performances in that series. Dragic. Uh, but Butler was the engine, right? And that's something that I think about when I think about the Bulls now is like, and we've mentioned this a bunch of times on the podcast, but like what the Bulls need is an engine. Is someone like Jimmy Butler, an offensive initiator, a guy they can run everything through in the half court. And Butler, to me, man, he's just so likable. Like, it's almost crazy to think that uh, he had such a polarizing reputation coming into this bubble run, really. Uh, and a lot of people, I think, maybe thought of him as selfish. And sure, Jimmy Butler probably made mistakes in terms of how he was dealing with teammates earlier in his career. Uh I think that, you know, when you saw him interact with a lot of the young Heat guys, Hero especially, who he took under his wing from day one, the way he talked about Bam, uh, his relationship was with Dragic was also one of, like, the ongoing storylines of the bubble and was just, like, a super feel-good relationship. Uh, he just seems like the ultimate teammate. And I think, you know, part of that is just, like, getting in your 30s. and uh, you Maturation. Know, yeah. Maturing, uh, you know, learning from your previous mistakes. Uh, but then on the court, it's like, 
his ability to turn himself into a point guard, which he said he was going to do back in 2015, everyone rolled their eyes at it. Even when he was doing it and was really good at it, people were still like, yeah, I don't know if he's a point guard, though. Yeah, that's what he did. He became a point guard. He was like scoring or assisting on pretty much every heat basket throughout this entire series. Uh, and it, it's just so remarkable to watch him play because he plays so passionately, yet he still doesn't turn the ball over. Like, he's always under control. He's always composed, yet he's playing, you know, 150% balls to the wall in every possession. So uh, you see that type of guy, and you think of, like, sort of the ethos that the Bulls always have prided themselves on, like toughness, grittiness, uh, all these buzzwords that, you know, we used to associate with someone like Kirk Heinrich when he wasn't good anymore. Jimmy really personifies that type of language and those cliches. And it's just kind of wild that they ever traded him in the first place, just because like he has the attributes that I think the city likes to think it has in its citizens and that it's sports teams like to think they have too, right? Especially the Bulls. So uh, remarkable performance by Jimmy. I could not be happier for him to watch him do it. it was just really satisfying and validating. I thought, and uh, you know, go over through his numbers on the 2017 Bulls. Like those numbers are totally unassailable. He was easily a top ten player, probably like the sixth or seventh or fifth best player in the league. Yeah, I wouldn't go top five, but if you look at those advanced stats, he was probably like seven or eight. Like in terms of just like impact, like a lot of people like wouldn't think of him as that. But if you look at the, like the impact stats, even his basic stats, they were all like six, seven, eight, like around there. I mean, de- absolutely. It's just that, and especially with the Bulls sucking that year and being or being so mediocre, it just kind of it kind of ruined it for like the re- perception of him. And then there were obviously the, some of the issues with the young teammates. So that like that just kind of colored p- some people's opinions about him. But he was legitimately absolutely incredible that season, for sure. And uh, he's just like. He's just so likable to me in general. Like, I'm sure, like, he probably has a little bit of an ego. Well, guess what? Oh, like, yeah. He's a self-made superstar, and he's awesome. He should have an ego. And I think that, you know, like, part of that has probably helped fuel his success in some ways. But in terms of how he plays the game, he plays a very egoless game on the court to the point where, like, sometimes he's passing up yep. wide-open oh, yep. layups because nice. I don't know if he, like, just prefers to get the assist or – if he's being coached to like pass up a two for the three, or if he's just like not confident finishing sometimes, but uh, yeah, he plays such an unselfish game on the court and an egoless game on the court. And he plays so passionately, but still plays under control and it's remarkable. And I'm glad the rest of the world got to see what we got to see at the start of his bulls career. And uh, you know, with Rondo playing a great game six for the Lakers too, two of the three alphas, alphas. on full display, in the <laughs> NBA finals, Bulls and six, baby. We still believe it's so incredible. Happen. Yeah. But yeah, the point about Jimmy being like self or almost too unselfish times. Yeah. There are times where you're like, Jimmy, go, go get the buckets yourself. Cause they're the couple of games that they won. That's what he did do. Like he took over down the stretch, the duel in game five against LeBron down the fourth quarter was incredible because it looked like the heat were dead in the water. They were falling apart, throwing up awful shots. And then all of a sudden Jimmy just starts scoring at will, whether he was making tough shots, getting to the line, he had those last free throws at the end. Just that duel was incredible. But then there were a few, a few of the other games where like he still put up big numbers, but like not the big scoring numbers. And that happens a lot. I mean, he only averaged like 20 points a game, but he even talks about like how he prefers to like get the other guys involved and how he doesn't feel like he always has to be like the, the alpha score there. And, th- and that's just another level to his maturation process. And I mean, it's probably a good outlook to have was considering the minutes he was playing. I mean, he was playing like 
Tom Thibodeau minutes, like 46, 47 minutes in these finals. Like you just can't be like that. He's not LeBron. You can't be playing like those huge minutes and scoring like 30, 35 points every night. He's got to sometimes rest himself. And we saw him at the end of that game five when he, that viral image now of him, like leaning over the, the edge of like the, the court and just looking absolutely dead. And, but like you said, that's just like the blue collar thing that Chicago people like to love. Like he theoretically really should have been like the perfect, perfect guy for the bulls. But I digress. That's, Great. It was awesome watching Jimmy Butler play, and it was a really fun series. Before we talk about go to the Lakers aspect of this and them winning the title and LeBron and legacy stuff, let's take a quick word from our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering Cash Considerations listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. This offer is valid through December 31st. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals, the team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head on head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We are back, Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. But right now we are talking about the NBA Finals. We just gave Jimmy Baller some love. Let's give the, the, some love to the champs, the Lakers. Uh, obviously. Being the Lakers, being LeBron James, Anthony Davis after the whole AD drama. Always a lot of drama around the Lakers. And after AD forces his way to the Lakers, plays an incredible, incredible finals, incredible playoffs to help LeBron James win title number four. That's title number 17 for the Lakers. Uh, LeBron James won finals MVP. I believe that is, I believe he's won finals MVP in each of his titles. Yep. I'm probably right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's four for him. I mean, he's won titles now with three with three different teams. And LeBron, he's 35 years old, year 17. Uh, some people were doubting him. Uh, apparently, you might have been doubting him a little bit. I thought they'd get to the finals and then lose to the Bucs. I think it was my pick all along, and the Bucs just fucked me over. But I always figured the Lakers would be good. I know, and there's been, like, there was a whole, like, we believe Lakers movement. And, I mean, there were some weirdos who were, like, thought the Lakers weren't going to be good at all. You definitely were not a part of that, but uh, just some doubting. I mean, just going back, like hilariously listening to the, the, the people, like thinking about, like, oh, the Blazers can like maybe beat them in a series, and then like it almost happened every round. But the Lakers just play, came together. They romp through the Western Conference, win each series in five games, even though they lost Game One, I think, in the first two. Uh, and then this series, they win in six games. The Heat gave them a good run, but ultimately, LeBron was incredible. AD was incredible. 
Uh, AD, I think, had like almost shot like, like a 60, 40, 95 like shooting splits in these. I thought AD was possibly the finals MVP through like four games. LeBron's last couple games, I think, really cemented it for him. And LeBron, just, again, year 17, 35 years old, doing what he's doing now. Absolutely incredible. Uh, so that obviously brings up a lot of the legacy stuff, the GOAT talk, and that stuff is like never going to go away. But I mean, LeBron, with each passing year, with all the st- accolades that he continues to add to his resume, uh, just making that conversation that much more interesting. Let's talk about what, something you wrote just about the Lakers at SBNation.com right after this Lakers championship. Just about him, LeBron, just kind of taking his his this final years, like the final the twilight of his career, into his hands and basically handpicking this Lakers roster, going back to AD for, and Clutch, essentially forcing this trade to the Lakers from the New Orleans Pelicans, and then a lot of the other guys they brought in. I mean, there's a ton of Clutch guys on this roster, and then a guy like Rajon Rondo who you brought up before, who had a great game six and was great throughout these playoffs, hashtag playoff Rondo. Just, LeBron is kind of playing that GM role and just like his imprints all over this roster. Uh, Ricky, just kind of, just, I guess, go over what you wrote in this column and just like what you thought about this LeBron and this Lakers team. Yeah, man, like I just go back to when he signed with the Lakers. The Lakers at that season, the previous five years, had won the fewest games in the NBA, like, Worse than, you know, the process era Sixers for at least part of that stretch. So uh, they were coming off, I think, like a 35 win season when LeBron signed. And I remember thinking that there was no way LeBron was going to be able to do this. He was leaving the East to go to the West. Uh, The team was bad. Uh, It just, you know, it was going to be year 16 of his career. He had the injury then in year 16. He had a groin injury on Christmas and then it lingered. They eventually shut him down for the season. I think a lot of people are looking at this championship now and thinking it was inevitable the whole way, though, you know, kind of like what we thought about the peak Warriors. Well, of yeah. course, Warriors are going to win whatever. But I don't know, man. Like, I think that if you even when I looked at that completed roster following the AD trade, I still thought that they're like three through 15 was about as bad as any in the entire NBA. So I was a doubter of this team, absolutely. And there's some uh, videos <laughs> going around on social media right now that are basically like compilations of all the people who doubted the Lakers in their bad tweets from earlier in the season. And I'm in there like twice. And <laughs> I, I wrote when LeBron just made the finals with this team that I thought this was one of his most impressive accomplishments ever, getting to the finals with the Lakers and I, you know, think the same thing, uh, obviously, after they win the championship. So I honestly think that uh, LeBron was incredible. He averaged 30 points a game for the series, I believe. Couldn't make a free throw. Shot 60% from the foul line. But, uh, you know, we forget that he led the NBA in assists during the regular season, since the regular season seemed so long ago. He was killing it on the glass. He averaged like 12 boards. Uh, he was the, you know, very much the engine of their offense the entire way. And... I think that, you know, this, I think a lot of people want to sort of diminish this accomplishment because he was able to like get AD and Davis was so good. And then people are like, wow, you know, great accomplishment, LeBron. You won with the second best player in the league on your team too. Uh, But there's something to be said just for like LeBron putting the pieces in place. And I feel like the one thing about LeBron that doesn't get talked about that much is that he just sort of understands what's not going to work and what's not going to fly in the finals. And I go back to that 2018 finals loss when he was with the Cavs this last year with Cleveland. Uh, you know, that was the year J.R. Smith had the epic boneheaded playing game one. And, uh, you know, 
after game three, I think LeBron was talking about how they needed to find more players with high basketball IQ. I think he mentioned Rondo directly and then he ends up landing Rondo. But I think it's really impressive. Like this whole, the whole way LeBron went about winning this championship, I think is super impressive. Like as I wrote, uh, the Lakers did not need to sell LeBron on the Lakers. Like when LeBron entered free agency in 2010, you had, you know, Pat Riley put his rings on the table and Gar Foreman, you know, get in the wrong cab and show up late and probably not have a nice power to his computer <laughs> on his PowerPoint presentation. But this time, like, no one needed to convince LeBron to sign with the Lakers, right? Like, LeBron was basically like, hey, Lakers, I'm going to come and we're going to win the championship. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, you know, you can – I think it's weird that some people are, like, criticizing him for doing it with AD. Like, he got AD. He got that buy-in. Like, when Kawhi Leonard tried to get Jimmy Butler, Jimmy told him no. He had to settle for Paul George. Like, LeBron got the buy-in from AD. AD also had some weird comments about free agency after the series. He did. (laughs) So, like, I assume that AD is going to be in L.A. long-term. Like, players just generally want to end up in Los Angeles. So, uh, especially with his injury history, it seems like a no-brainer for me to, like, take a long-term contract from the Lakers. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Like, don't forget that Kyrie Irving once wanted to leave LeBron, even after they won a championship and forced his way out. So, uh, I think, you know, LeBron really deserves a lot of credit. Like he identified certain guys like Rondo. Uh, he wanted JaVale, you know, guys who he thought could help him in, in these situations and in these big moments. And I thought KCP was probably their third best player. That's another clutch guy. Uh, he was really good in these finals and throughout the playoffs, just in terms of being a role guy. And, you know, at the end of the day, while we, I think a lot of us focused on the Lakers' shortcomings, uh, just in terms of like their roster setup, and you know there were times when you know Danny Green looked terrible, and uh, throughout the season, like all of these role players looked relatively unimpressive, and it was really just LeBron and AD powering it the whole time. But we were sort of forgetting about their defense, and defensively yep. is how they won this series. I mean, they had an epic defensive performance in Game Six. Yes, the Heat were gassed. Uh, they were running on fumes, no doubt, but the Lakers' defense had a lot to do with that, and their performance throughout the playoffs was really what carried them. I think LeBron found a higher level defensively. I think AD played like the best defensive player in the world uh, while he was in the bubble. So, you know, re- remarkable run, and uh, yeah, I guess like you know Le- the fact that LeBron is still making his goat argument into year 17 like are they are they going to win again next year i'll tell you right now if they have anthony davis i'm not going to bet against them next year like i did this year uh because they you know they proved me wrong they showed how good they were uh both you know by finishing with the number one seed in the western conference going into the bubble and then i did not expect i will say i definitely doubted them winning like the west getting the top seed i figured they'd maybe kind of slow play it and they'd find their groove in the regular season and then they'd maybe pick it up a notch. But the fact that they were like really good all season was definitely something I probably did not expect as much. Yeah. I think it's a really impressive title. Anyway, you look at it and uh, you know, I think it's just unavoidable to talk about the goat debate and you had some good tweets, some good comments on it earlier today, Jason. So I'll give you the floor. Like obviously after LeBron wins this title and after LeBron accomplishes anything else, the rest of his career, people are just going to be stacking him up to MJ. So, so, Jason, yeah. how do you read into the GOAT debate and sort of what's your take on it? Yeah, as you mentioned, I had some tweets. And, like, as a guy, as, as as us as just Chicago guys, guys who grew up with Michael Jordan, I think for us personally, like, MJ, like, is just his resume is just, like, almost unassailable. 
six and zero in the finals. The, the the clutch play, the general aura, the effect he had on the NBA. Like I just like for us, I just don't think like that can ever be surpassed, even by LeBron. But when you look at LeBron's resume, the, between all the finals he's been to with multiple different teams, uh, the, we'll see how many he ends up winnings. Winning, he'll have the finals. He'll he'll have rings. He'll have finals MVPs, and then just his pure, the stats, the just overall stats that he's going to put together. But he's probably going to be the leading scorer of all time. I, as long as he plays a few more years, he'll pass Kareem for number one on the scoring list. All his play, and then he'll be like he'll probably end up with almost like 40,000 points and then like all the rebounds and assists and all those other counting stats. Obviously, efficiency-wise, he's always been great. He's been great defensive player. So just like you look at it and like MJ will always be my GOAT. But And as someone who like did not like LeBron earlier after he spurned the Bulls and we had a little rivalry with him, like I've, I mean, I've done like a 180. I very much respect LeBron for what he does on the court. Uh, the only thing I don't like about him is when he complains too much. He's a big complainer, but on he's complaining at an all time high during these finals. I always right, wrote yeah. something about it because I thought of the headline: "LeBron James is the Michael Jordan of whining to the refs." And I'm like, should I write <laughs> yeah. this story? But I decided not to. Yeah, I mean that that he's definitely very annoying about that. But in terms of his actual play on the court, incredible. You could probably argue he's definitely the goat in terms of like overall skills, just as a basketball player. Uh, and then obviously what he does off the court with his social with his social statements, with the voting stuff, and that's also obviously great. Uh, Jordan was just obviously for us as Bulls fans, just totally special, and just the the like the aura he had around the entire league, just just like just, again like an unassailable resume to us. But I do not. I understand people who think LeBron James is the GOAT, and I, to- I totally get it. He's absolutely incredible. He's going to go down. Again, you know, he's still building his resume. I mean, he's 35, and he still probably have a couple pe- peak years left, as you mentioned, with AD's going to be back. Like He, he made those weird comments after the game yesterday, but I mean, he's going to be back. He talked about, I think, uh, uh, recently he gave some quote to, I think, Chris Haynes about, like, I'd love to win like nine more titles here like with LeBron. I don't know if he actually met with LeBron, but either way, like he'd love to win more titles in LA. I cannot imagine AD's going anywhere. So like you're looking at a couple more years with them playing at a high level and they can add pieces this offseason. I mean, they could be even better next season. Uh, and credit to Frank Vogel. You talked about the defensive buy-in, like they're great defensively. And if they can add maybe a bit even more offensive punch to help in the half court, take some a load off those guys, like they could win another t- couple titles together. And I mean, if LeBron gets to five, six, maybe even more than that, I mean, it's going to be hard to argue that he's the GOAT. So, like, again, personally, my personal preference. MJ is always my GOAT, but, like, I totally get it if you say LeBron. What's crazy about LeBron is starting in his second season, which was 2004-2005, that would be my senior year of high school. I think LeBron was 19 or 20 in that year. Yeah, makes He sense. averaged 27.2 points. Seven and a half rebounds, seven assists. He's been putting up those exact same numbers ever since he's come into the league with no drop off. And I don't know if you saw Sports Center last night, but SVP interviewed him and he asked him. There's a clip that's been going around. Uh, you know, how do you stack up yourself now versus yourself at 27? And LeBron was pretty convinced that he's better now than he was at 27. Yeah. I disagree with that. I think. But the fact that it's even debatable still, like he averaged 30 a game in the finals. He absolutely dominated the game, even though it looked like he did. He has like lost maybe half a step physically, like his elevator was so high in the first place that when he comes back down to, you know, mere mortal status a little bit, it's still super like he's just playing at an advantage because he started at such a great peak. Uh, just physically and athletically. And then in this series, I think he dominated with his mind really. And 
his basketball IQ is just absolutely through the charge. You can see it in all these little moments where like he's basically anticipating where the ball is going to go, like two rotations before it actually happens. And he's able to, you know, play disruptive in the passing lanes, which he did in these playoffs, really his best defensive performance in the playoffs, probably since 16, but maybe even beyond that, uh, he was great. And so I don't know, I guess like to me, I don't want to say that LeBron could never pass Jordan. I personally believe Jordan's the greatest NBA player of all time because at the end of the day, it's all about dominance in your era. And I'm going to say that Jordan was more dominant in his era than LeBron, though. I mean, the fact that LeBron has been to nine of the last 10 NBA finals (laughs) and the fact that he's won four titles, then, you know, you wonder what, like Jordan never had to go up against a team like the Warriors. That's for sure none of the teams MJ faced were even in the Warriors realm. And I think LeBron's title in 2016 with Cleveland is more impressive than any of Jordan's titles individually. That's just an objective view of it. Yeah. But I think, you know, if you're just comparing who is more dominant in their era, I think LeBron was more dominant than LeBron, or I think Jordan was more dominant than LeBron in their respective eras. Uh, also, now, also, I was going to say Le- LeBron losing in 2011 is obviously a big stain. Like that's like the one legitimate stain on his resume, and I, and I think that does have to be like taken into account. Like the Heat were the clear favorites in that series; they should have won. And LeBron wilted against JJ Barea. Like I think that's you can absolutely hold that against him. I think you can also argue that 2016 should basically maybe like erase that and more, considering what they did against a historic team, but. Like LeBron, MJ just never had that complete finals failure. And like the other, the other LeBron finals losses, I do not hold against them. They were again, again, all time great Warriors teams, a great Spurs team with a terrible Cavs roster basically around him. He does have that one bad finals mark on his resume. And that is also something that's going to be held against him in these talk, in these discussions. For sure. Uh, so I was thinking about ways like, you know, you're saying you're like citing your bias and you're being like, I Absolutely. do not believe LeBron could pass Jordan. So I was trying to think of ways how LeBron could pass Jordan in the eyes of most people. Getting the all-time scoring record is an obvious one because what's everyone going to say as soon as he gets that record? He's a pass-first player who also has more points than anyone in NBA <laughs> yeah. history, right? Like, you can already hear the talking points being said. Uh, so that's going to be one thing. I think getting another title or two would I mean, be- if you got the six. If he matches MJ, uh, you know, even if he gets five and then the last thing that could boost his legacy long term, I think would be playing with Bronny. Uh, <laughs> now, I guess I don't I didn't really see what Bronny was doing on social media. Was he like posting a pic smoking or something? That was that was not last night. That was recently, though. I think LeBron like called him out for doing that. Oh, so it was something like that. I didn't I don't see know. LeBron's response, but everyone's <laughs> jokes about it were really funny, I thought. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's way too early to say if Brownie's going to make the league. If nothing else, though, like the Lakers could sign him. Like he'll be, you know, it wouldn't be a total affront. Like we got Costas and Adekumpo yeah. getting a ring on the Lakers this year. So... <laughs> There's probably going to be a time when LeBron plays with Bronny. And I think a lot of people are going to be like, all right, that's awesome. Like, we hated on this guy for a long time, but you got to admit it. Like, this is pretty dope. And I think that that's going to raise his legacy, too. And, like, you know that that's going to happen. And you know that he's going to be the all-time leading scorer in league history. And I didn't think he was going to get another title, to be totally honest, because I just thought other teams were better than what the Lakers had. And 
LeBron got this title. So, you know, put it all together, and Jordan, to me, is still the greatest of all time, but damn, LeBron's close, and uh, yeah. I thought, you know, Zach Lowe wrote a great article on this. You should go he check did. it out if you haven't already. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have checked it out. But one thing he wrote in there, and one thing that I was thinking throughout watching The Last Dance is, like, LeBron is a lot more human than Jordan, both for better or for worse, like... I feel like if me or you went to high school with LeBron and we're the same age, like there's a decent chance that like we would have been friendly together or whatever, you know, not like good friends, but would have had a pleasant relationship with him somehow. Uh, And then like LeBron's more human in his failures too, obviously. But Jordan is just treated like a God who floats above the sport to the point where like people won't even consider it an argument. I think that that's a little ridiculous. Like well, let's 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 talk about this in another way too. Looking at the the, the game 5, the end of game 5, uh where LeBron makes the pass the play that he has made his entire career. And I will I will give him credit for doing this. He has always done it. He always will make the play that he thinks is right. And he drives into four heat players and he makes a pass out to a wide open Danny Green. And he, Danny Green just botched the three. Also, fuck all the people who are sending death threats to Danny Green and his fiance. You're absolutely crazy. Why are you doing that? Don't do that, crazy sports fans. Anyways, like LeBron has always done that. And he always, and people will always can criticize him for it. Well, you know, like MJ would never pass in that situation. Kobe would never do that. Blah, blah, blah. And that goes into these go talks too, because. MJ and Kobe were just absolute psychos on the court and they would do crazy stuff. But even those two guys would, would sometimes make the right plays and pass. And we bring up the pass to Steve Kerr uh, in 93. Jordan did not make the pass to John Paxson, but he passed it off to Pippen, who passed it to Grant, passed it to Paxson. But people will be like, like Jordan is like, so like you mentioned the myth making and mythology, like people will say that he never did it when he absolutely did it. And it was, I, one of my tweets was like, People, the last dance happened, and you all watched it like a couple months ago. You saw Michael Jordan make smart a uh, smart basketball play and make that kind of pass to a role player who then hit that kind of shot. And LeBron does that. He's done his, his whole career, and he's taken criticism for it, and it's always been stupid. Like, LeBron has hit game-winning shots. He doesn't have the game-winning, like, the finals game winners. And I think Lowe talked about this in that article. Like, he does not have those finals game winners like Jordan does. And, like, Jordan, he had the one. I wonder if East Morris passed it to him. Right, yeah. He could have. Yeah, absolutely. He was wide open. But that that just, like, all plays in this discussion as well. Like, LeBron just, and in terms of, like, the human stuff, and, like, MJ was just, like, such a psycho. And he would take those and the, the myth making about it, like you mentioned. Uh, but again, yeah, I mean, it was just crazy when people will say like Jordan would never. And it's like, yeah, dude, he did. He's done it. Like, yeah, he has a lot of game winners. Like he was an absolute killer. LeBron does not ha- did not have like quite that killer instinct that Jordan does. But we also see LeBron making tons of shots, like not necessarily like the last shot, but like in crunch time, he still dominates like all the time. So it's not like he's not, he's not like he doesn't have a clutch gene. He's just like, if there's a last, if there's a final shot, he's gonna do what he thinks is right, whether that's shoot it, whether that's pass it. And other guys, even MJ and Kobe, they would, while they, I feel like, would shoot it more often than not. There were other times where they would also pass the ball. So, like that whole conversation was obviously goofy after Game Five. But I think it's just a credit to LeBron that he's never wavered on that. He's always played like his style, like that, and he's always made the right play, and he makes it more often than not. So, how would you? say the criticism of LeBron changing teams negatively impacts him because he's changed teams, you know, four times. Uh, Do you think that that should be a credit to him? Do you think that that should be a knock against him? I think that that's part of kind of interesting section of his legacy where like, you know, you could argue it where, well, 
you know, I'm sure LeBron maybe wouldn't have left Cleveland at all if his best teammates weren't, uh, right. you know, Zadrinus yeah. Olgowskis and Booby Gibson. Whereas what happens to Jordan if the Bulls don't trade Olden Polonese for Scottie Pippen? You know what I mean? So, like, you obviously need the organization to put guys around you. It's a team game, even if you're the best of all time. Uh, but, I mean, I could also see, like, yeah, like, maybe there's more honor in sticking with a place and making it great every year you're there instead of running to a new destination every four years. I don't know. So, how do I, you- so to that point, would if like MJ was playing in this era and he was on a Bulls team that was whatever, never, I can't remember. When did they finally get to the second round? I can't remember exactly. I'd have to look that up again. But like, what if he was with the Bulls for six, seven years and they've never made it? Do you think in this era he would actually stick around or do you think he'd demand a trade? Yeah, I mean, honestly, well, I mean, back, back then, back then, changing teams just like wasn't like it is now. Well, like, here's the thing: like LeBron basically created like player empowerment in a lot of ways, and this what he did with the Lakers was like the most empowered he ever was. He basically built the entire team himself. He orchestrated all of this. The Lakers basically just had to be like, all right, cool, yeah, like they the Lakers were the beneficiary of LeBron's vision and not the other way around, right? For this one, uh. And so I don't know, like, are you saying that, like, let's say Michael Jordan is a college freshman next year and now he's growing up in a post LeBron world where LeBron already wrote the rules for this, you know, generation star players. And yeah, it's like that's the other part of this debate, too, is that LeBron couldn't have existed without Jordan in a lot of ways. Right. Like the game improves the game over the course of time. And it is a fun debate. Like, I I believe the GOAT is Jordan, but I don't really hold it against anyone if they think it's LeBron. And I also yeah. wouldn't hold it against anyone if they thought it was Kareem, to be honest, because Kareem had an absolutely insane career going back to, like, his, you know, his high school college days, too, if you factor those in. So uh, it's just fascinating. And, yeah, more than anything, I think, you know, none of, like, LeBron really couldn't have existed without the stars that came before him. And it will be fascinating to see when LeBron's gone, finally, what the league is going to look like and how the next generation of superstars carries the mantle. What does Luka do? What does Zion do? What does Jason Tatum do? It's still Giannis. And Giannis is what, 24? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, the GOAT discourse can be definitely super annoying and terrible, but I think if you approach it the right way, and I think Zach Lowe's column today did a great job doing that, as we mentioned, go read it if you haven't, uh, then it can actually be interesting. And there was somebody that somebody got in my mentions yesterday who just kind of put it really well, just like how LeBron and like Michael MJ are just two just like totally different players, but like almost like the two GOATs just in their own way. Just And I think that was like put it really well, like, Maybe they're really not necessarily like they're almost like co-goats just because they did it in totally different ways, but just both just totally dominant in their own eras and all that. It's and yeah, I mean, we've rambled on for this goat discussion for a while now, so we'll we'll move on and wrap it up here really quick. But it's it will definitely be interesting to see how LeBron finishes his career, how that resume ends up stacking up. Uh, as Bulls guys, as we've kind of mentioned, we love MJ. He's our goat. He's our guy. But LeBron is absolutely incredible. I respect the hell out of him and. Uh, and we'll see how long it can go because he says he's got a few more years. It sure as hell looks like he's got a few more years. We'll see if he plays with Bronny down the line. But, uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting. Let's wrap up here real quick. Uh, just kind of what – I guess guess what's next? The season is over, but uh, – and the bubble was a great success for the most part. What we can tell, at least better than probably what we thought. Like, 
just they had no positive tests really in the bubble. I mean, I, for players, I mean, we don't necessarily, I think Adam Silver admitted like there were some like employees and stuff like Disney employees and stuff like that who tested positive. But for the most part, for what they went out to do, a huge endeavor, this worked out pretty well. They finished the season. Uh, they got, they named a champion. Uh, but now we have, there's still so much work to do looking ahead to next season. We have the draft in about a month scheduled for November 18th. It looks like free agency is going to be around November 30th slash December 1st, something like that. We do, you mentioned before, we like, we don't know the salary cap. We don't know when next season is going to start. Uh, I think it looks like they're looking at possibly like Martin Luther King, King day, which I think is January 18th, but that that's not set in soon stone. There's still just a lot of fluidity here with these conversations. Uh, John Hollinger put out a big article in the athletic today, looking at some of these scenarios, talking about just the season because they want to play 82 games, but they want to get it in like before next football season starts. Cause I think we've seen with some of these bad ratings going up against football games, like that yeah, the NFL is King football is King. The NBA just can't match up with that in terms of TV ratings. So like, They'd like to get 82 games in, but they want to finish it in a reasonable time frame before the NFL starts again. We've seen kind of some crazy ideas talking about like them playing like baseball-esque like series against teams in their division and stuff like kind of that kind of stuff, which could have a pretty big impact depending on which division you're in in terms of like the strength of schedule. So like they're talking about all these different things, and I, and I guess they they would like to have fans in the stands, but I mean, who knows what happens with that either because we're still waiting on a possible vaccine. So there's just so much up in the air right now. Uh, it just, it just absolutely kind of crazy. Uh, Ricky, did you have any takeaways from that Hollinger article or just like what you see coming next for next season and beyond? No, I have no idea. Cause I don't think the league really knows what's coming next season and beyond. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording the idea of like playing series next year against teams like baseball style series to essentially try to squeeze a 82 game season, which again, Seems very ambitious, don't you think? To try to fit yeah. the full season into I don't know how they're gonna do that. Like play fewer games. Right. I don't yeah, I don't I guess they want to get the money back from Obviously. what they lost, but like whatever, just do the sixty-six game thing like they did in 2011, 2012. Like, yeah. Just do that. Like it I just feel like it's just gonna risk injury and stuff like that if you're trying to squeeze so many games into such a small schedule. Like at I don't know. So I, I think I think uh, yeah, <laughs> they're basically saying that they want to squeeze a hundred seventy-two game or hundred seventy-two day schedule into like hundred fifty days. So we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, I'm really fascinated to see like what's going to happen with player movement this off season. Like, is there going to be massive player movement the way there really has been like the last three or four off seasons? where, you know, every year you got guys changing teams. I think, like, big names changing teams since at least the summer of 2017 and maybe even the summer of 16. So it's wild, but uh, I don't really know what next year is going to look like for the league. Hollinger said they're likely to start on MLK Day, which is January 18th. I think that would be cool. That would be a little earlier than I'm expecting, actually, because I wouldn't be surprised if it was February. Some people are even saying March. So uh, there's a lot up in the air. Uh, I'm very excited to see what the Bulls are going to look like next season and uh, just like what next season looks like in general. In terms, yeah, in terms of like player movement, like the fact that this free agency class kind of sucks, especially AD, assuming he does stay with the Lakers. Like there's just not that many other big names out there. I think like, uh, I mean, you're looking at some guys in like the Raptors. I think like Danilo Gallinari will be one of the bigger names, like Fred Van Vliet. Uh, guys, I mean, 
if the Raptors look to like trade a guy like Kyle Lowry, I think he's going to be expiring. Like, I don't think they'd actually do that. But, and then you look at like other guy who, who would be like on the market. I mean, we talk about this in terms of like the bulls making possible big trades, like, like what like superstars might be on the move. Like, I mean, Victor Oladipo is a popular name out there. I, the bucks are not going to trade Giannis. It's just not going to happen. Even if he doesn't sign the supermax, I think they try to at least at worst, they give it one more run with him. And then if he leaves, uh, maybe they get something in a sign and trade back. But uh, like, and I meant Victor Oladipo, like Bradley Beal is an obvious name, but I mean, I feel like the Wizards want to run it back one more time with with John Wall and Beal. But I guess if someone puts a big offer on the table for Bradley Beal, I think you've got to take it and just go into full rebuild mode in Washington. But like, other than that, like, I, I don't, I'm not really sure what other big stars could be on the move. Like, I don't think Towns is moving yet. I don't think Booker is moving yet, especially with the Suns playing really well in the bubble. Uh, I mean, you look at a guy like maybe like Drew Holiday. Maybe he goes somewhere, but like, I don't know. Is, am I missing anybody who like, what other big names could possibly even be on the move this off season? I don't know. Zach Levine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> general, like my takeaway is that it doesn't make too much sense to like guess all this now because there's so much yeah. up in the air and we don't even know what the rules are going to look like, what the dates are going to look like. So I think it's too early to start talking about how the league's going to change after this. Yeah. And I, I was going to say the Sixers guys too. Like I don't think they're going anywhere, especially with Doc. I think they're going to try to win with Doc at least for one year and then maybe they trade Embiid or Simmons. But yeah, so yeah, I, I would not expect like crazy player movement this off season. Uh, I said the Bulls, I mean, I think we've both said, but I think the Bulls kind of will wait and see what they have next season with a new coach with most of these guys. Like maybe they make, maybe they trade one of these guys. Like if anything, it would probably be Lowry. Like I don't think Zach's getting traded. I don't think Wendell's going anywhere. I doubt Kobe's going anywhere after his rookie season. So if like, if anything, it's like a Lowry trade, but I think mostly for the Bulls, it's going to be maybe some tweaks around the edges. Like again, veteran guys, maybe they trade a Thad Young, Sadransky, something like that. Some tweaks around the edges, maybe nothing huge. And I kind of think that might be what will happen around the league. But who knows? Like I said, who knows? Maybe maybe it does get crazy and we see some uh, big movement elsewhere. Uh, I don't know. But it'll be fascinating to watch. Um, I think we've, we've talked. We've got enough here. We got – you mentioned draft stuff. We will – with the draft coming up in about a month, we will obviously start ramping up that coverage again. Uh, we'll pr- look at some others. Uh, we'll probably do some like individual profile guys. Like, we've obviously talked a bit about Killian Hayes. We talked about Lamelo. Maybe we go into some of these other guys coming up here. But again, draft for right now is scheduled for November 18th. I'm sure that I, I doubt that's going to change at this point. I think they got that pretty locked in. Because then I think they want to start free agency. Like I said a couple weeks after that. Uh, Ricky, you have any final thoughts here before we wrap it up and sign off? Not really. We can sign off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Yeah. So the NBA season. Finally over 2019-20 NBA season is finally over after it's basically been a full calendar year. I think it was mid to end October when the season started. It is now October 12th and the season is finally over after all this crazy time, the crazy stuff with uh, the pandemic and all that. They pulled it off. They were able to finish the season. The Los Angeles Lakers are your your NBA champion. Uh, We are now looking ahead to the Bulls. We'll see what they do this offseason. I mentioned the draft. Uh, it should be very interesting. But as for us at Cash Considerations, HI Wolves Podcast, as always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Check out all the great pods. Check out our Lakers and Heat pods, uh, all the great coverage around uh, the NBA and all the other sports. We got the end with the NFL going. Uh, we got MLB playoffs going on, all this other stuff. Also, shout out to in- our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. Uh, and for us, please rate and review us. Let us know how. Uh, how we're doing you know where to find us on twitter uh if there's anything you want to hear especially coming up now that we obviously we're going to talk draft but if there's anything else you want us to talk about please shoot us questions suggestions give us feedback please do 
So for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Talk to you next time, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.